Um, so we've come to the end of Lamentations, five-week series, um, and I wanted us to do a little tour. Uh, if, if you've been with us the whole series, you might remember we began with the couch. You remember that? Not much of a couch, I know. But we talked about how when it comes to our laments, our, our sadness, our griefs, our sorrows, we want quick, immediate answers, right? So when we go see a counselor or a pastor or somebody and we get on that couch and we say, just say the right thing, the magic words, or give me the magic pill, or now there's got to be an app for that, right? Admit it, at least one of you has Googled, is there an app to help with depression, right? And, and we, we, we want the cure, but we don't necessarily want to face the, the, the walking through. And that's what Lamentations has been about, right? We had, uh, when we have that loss, remember our garbage? This is legit garbage this time, so remind me to take it out. Uh, and we said, hey, you know, what if I don't have time and I just leave it here? I'm sure that won't stink, right? Like our problems, I'm just going to avoid them. I'm just going to put them over there. It won't, it won't stink. Our, it, last week we had our um, box of problems, right? And it, 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 it can become so overwhelming that all we can see is the loss and the grief. Whereas Lamentations has given us that tool to face these problems with God, to walk through them as long as it takes patience and 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 we we saw in the middle that great middle portion you remember the the poet as as he he sings a great line you know your steadfast love endures forever great is your faithfulness well we said he he wasn't uh you know he wasn't on the the mountaintops like like oh this is so great great is the faithfulness of god my life is going so well Right, he, he um, I learned, by the way, I used to jump up that. I ripped my pants once, so now I use the steps. And some of you remember that. And, and so the poet, he wasn't on the mountaintops. He was where? In the pit, you remember? As he reached for just a glimmer of hope, he sung, great is thy faithfulness. That's Lamentations. So as we get to um, the fifth and final lament, what is it? Is it finally, Jamie, is it going to finally just turn and we're going to have all kinds of gladness and, and all kinds of, of good uh, 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 like kind of mountaintop experiences? No, it, it's not going to be. It's lamentations. In fact, in some ways it gets even more tired. It's the shortest one, but it's 22 verses. So when you're, if you, you remember back, all of the previous laments have been acrostic poems, right? Every line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, thus 22 verses. So you get it out, 22 verses, it's going to be acrostic if you know Hebrew, right? English, you can't see it. You look at it, and it's not at all. And it's for a reason that this poet just says, it's, it's like we can't even make sense of the chaos anymore. That it's unraveling, and we're just too weary for words, but we will find a way anyway. And so it becomes a prayer to God, a prayer to God from the ruins. And it stretches across the ruins of God's temple, the ruins of God's city, the ruins of God's people, all the way to get a glimpse of God's eternal throne. That's when the prayer is the best prayer. Before we go to that, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you.
thank you that you are so good, that you have led us through a series like Lamentations that is not easy to do, God. It has not been easy, but you have shown us how to sit quietly before you, God, to confess and to learn and to face our failures and our weaknesses and most importantly our sin with you. God, I pray we would finish well and we would learn well tonight together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, this is Lamentations 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll put it on the screen like we always do, but uh, if you want to follow along, it's uh, use your table of contents if you need to, Lamentations 5. Um, next week, we do start that faith series. You saw the promo, um, and we're excited about that because just like Lamentations, in this kind of time, learning how to lament to God, learning how to live a life of faith in trying circumstances. So uh, I, I think hopefully you'll invite someone either to join us in person or or um, online, or our live stream on Sunday, someone that you think might might use this. I think we all know a lot of people like that, so uh, you can do that. Oh, one other thing is too. This March, uh, really excited. We have a handful of people that that are want to do a believer's baptism, um, and so I want to invite you. If you are a Christian, that means you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but have never had a believer's baptism. That's different than an infant. Uh, what your parents did. I mean, it's just different than that. That's awesome that your parents wanted you to have a life of faith. This is you, right? And it's a courageous because it's really scary um, to get baptized. It's also really exhilarating because you go, why you do it is you identify f- uh, sort of symbolically and, and, and physically with the death and burial. That's when you go under the water and the resurrection to new life when you come out, right? Celebration. So it's both scary and exhilarating, but you know why it's good to do that? If you're like, I don't know. It's good to do that because... Um, it, it, the Christian life is both exhilarating and scary, right, living in this world. So it's a great step of obedience. So if you're like, man, I should probably do that, or God's leading me to do that, or at least ask questions about that, see me or message me or call me or whatever, and we'll, we can sit down, and you're not signing up. I'm not going to dunk you on the spot, I promise. So, uh, but if it's, that's you, maybe you've come to Christ recently, and this is a great first step of obedience to have a believer's baptism. Um, you're like, wow, it's the middle of the winter. It's right back here. It's warm water. You'll be okay. I promise. All right? All right, let's get going so we can uh, look at these verses together. Um, so the, 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 as we go through this, it's a prayer, right? Um, a corporate prayer from the people. And remember the context, right? I, I've shortened it each time because you've been with us, most of you anyway. It's right after 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, world power, Babylon, because God uses them. To, to crush his own people because of their sin. And so now they're in ruins. The peep, so many people are dead, exile, temples crushed. And it's just we've seen so many horrible pictures, haven't we, in lamentations of what they're enduring and going through. And we will see more today. Um, and, and so, but as you see this, this, this is not the poet using singular language. It's now a, a plural, right? So, so you could see even, right, remember what has befallen us, okay? So it's one poet writing this, but it's, it's as if he's writing on behalf of all of the people left in ruins, collectively, pleading with God. So what I want us to do is in three ways sort of uh, connect it to our own prayer. What is our prayer in our loss and in, in the ruins that, that can come in our life? 
And so the first one just comes with this, this very first verse is so important. He starts with, remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. If you've been with us, the, 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 even right back to the first lament, that was really all that they could muster up to say to God, look and see. Do you remember that? Look and see. See our pain, God. We know we've sinned, but this is so, this is too much. Look and see us again. Like, don't turn your face from us, right? So we, we've seen this language before. We see it again. See what has befallen us. See our disgrace, right? They're still acknowledging that it's because of our sin. But it's that word that's been added to it that all, makes all the difference. And it's a simple word, and it's that word, remember. Right? In English, for us, that means, wait, did God just sort of forget something? Has he got amnesia? Was he working on another part of the universe? But that's not what this word means in the Hebrew language. To remember is to, is to look and see your condition and turn to do something about it. So now they're not just saying, see us. They're saying, oh, Lord, remember. And what they're looking back on is the beautiful prayer of the Exodus when God's people were enslaved in Egypt. And there were there'd been so many generations in this painful, horrible condition in Egypt that they, they even like barely even knew God at this point, right? But it just says they, they cried out in their ruins, in their pain, just like they're now doing in this desolation in Jerusalem. And, and it said, the Lord turned and what? He remembered his people, which means I'm about to do something about this. And he did. He sent Moses. And he rescued them from Egypt. So when you pray, oh Lord, remember us, right? What you're doing is you are, are recognizing that only the Lord can do something about your condition, right? You, 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 you pray, remember us, oh Lord. You and I, we're going to use other words, right? Because it's, it's still kind of weird to us. Remember, like God doesn't forget, does he? But we might use something like, help us, Turn your face to my pain. See us, Lord. Pick us up in our struggle. Give us your mercy in our grief, Lord. Like, come, come and heal me. I'm tired of being sick, right? That might be your way of praying. Remember us, oh Lord. But it's a good prayer. It's raw and it's honest. And I love when we're honest. This dishonesty with God. That's why you're bored in your prayer life. Because it's like, dear Lord. You don't even believe what you're saying, let alone God is even not going to listen to it. He's like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. But sometimes all you got is help. Help, Lord. That's what you're saying. It is the first part of a raw, beautiful prayer from the ruins. And it's just simply what all they got is help us. Turn your face to us. And the thing about this is you're doing it still in the present pain. Right? Help us, O oh Lord, even though we're, we're turn your face and, and, and remember us even though we're enslaved in Egypt, even though we're in the desolation of, uh, of Jerusalem, even though I'm in a cemetery in Northbridge, a hospital room in Milford, an operating room in Boston. Remember us, O oh Lord, even though I'm in a lonely home in Uxbridge, a nursing home. Remember us, O oh Lord, and I'm in this condition, and it hurts, and I don't know what you're going to do, and I don't know when you're going to do it, but that's the beginning, isn't it? 
It's the beginning of where we will land on restoration. It's just to say, don't just look and see. Do something. Lord, what a beautiful, raw type of prayer. And so we're going to go rather quickly through. Um, a lot of us are, are a little tired of all of these graphic images. And I want you to, because uh, we've, we've talked through a lot of this type of stuff the last four weeks, I want us just to land on really one word in our prayer. And we're going to land there towards uh, somewhere in verse 18, I think. And, and, and so I'll explain a few things, but I just want you to let this, don't, don't, don't let your mind wander. Let, this is what they're praying to God. This is what they're experiencing. Again, it's a reversal of, of the once what they felt blessed and now in these ruins, right? They're like, our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our home to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows, Right? So, so they're, they're, they're saying that, that um, we once had this inheritance. This is the promised land you promised us. It's been given over to Babylon, and even some of the Edomites have it. We don't even have our own land anymore. Right? And, and how you could become like a widow, we don't really know. Maybe there were certainly some that were widows, but some maybe their husbands were exiled. And yeah, their husbands weren't dead, but to them they may as well have been. Either way, it's, a, it's just this reversal theme. You see, we must pay for the water we drink, the wood we get, must be bought. Our pursuers at our necks, we are weary. Right? What a good prayer. We're weary. If you're a mom here, you've prayed that many days, right? I'm weary, Lord. We are given no rest, right? So they have, this would often happen when you were, you were a conquered people. Like now, all the resources that used to be part of their promised land, they have to pay for. Wood, water, right? Like, it's the worst. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. They're not trying to excuse their own sin away, as we're about to see, but it is true that this whole thing is a culmination of generations of sin, and their grandparents, great-grandparents, aren't suffering the consequences of it, are they? That can happen to us, too. Right? We might sin in such a way that we never see the consequences, but our grandchildren will down the line. Something to always think about. And that's part of their, their, their just, we're suffering all of this from generations of sin. Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Now, he kind of goes into this idea of this reversal. Slaves are now our boss. Right now, look what he says. Women are raped in Zion. Young women in the towns of Judah. What could be worse? Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders, right? So you have women that should be treated with the utmost respect. They're being raped and be given the worst of humiliation. You have, you have uh, the princes or those in royalty that, that were prominent in society. They're being tortured. You have elders who should be shown respect, and they're not. Everything is upside down. This is the ruins of their lives. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate. The young men, their music. Some of you are like, yeah, that would be great if my, the young men in our lives could leave their music. But you wouldn't really like it if it was like this or for, the, for this reason. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has turned to mourning. 
imagine, like, have you ever, even the things that might annoy you, like, have you ever been with a, a, a group of, of uh, uh, teenage girls? I have many times, and I have one now, and I love them dearly. But they are so loud. Like, and it's just like, I don't even know where that energy comes from, but there's something that happens. Boys are the opposite. What's up? What are you going to do? Right? So they're the opposite. But girls are like, oh, to the point I'm like, stop. Just stop, right? But now imagine if that, that same group of teenage girls that you're like, oh, man, I need to take a break. You look at them, and they're silent, and they're just weeping. How horrible that would be, right? If, if the young people in your life, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, they have so much. And, and they, they just stop dancing. They stop listening to music. They stop getting excited about life, right? That's what's happened. Everything that should be is not. And so they're, they're in these ruins, and they're crying out to the, to, the, to the Lord. Everything has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Here's where I want us to land for this second part. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Woe to us. Now, we don't use the word woe, although I, I, I encourage you to bring it back. It's a good word, easy one to say. Woe is me. Woe, I have sinned. However you want to describe that, what that's called in our prayer is humility. Right? Think about this prayer now. We're asking the Lord in our ruins to look, see, and come toward, to remember us. Right? So then what is now our posture? It is not, you better do something about this, Lord, because we're the reason we're in these ruins. Right? And so it's this. It's humility. It's like, I've sinned. We have sinned. We've blown it. We've, we've, we've messed up. Woe is me. This reminded me when I read this of this awesome story, you might remember, that Jesus told a parable. And it was about a Pharisee, because he was talking to Pharisees. They're the religious elite. They're, they have all the answers, right? And, and a tax collector. And they were sinners. They were thieves. They were the down, they were just, ugh, you don't talk to a tax collector. Completely opposite. He's talking to Pharisees, right? And he says, two, these two men went up to pray publicly. First, the Pharisee. So you listen, you're like, oh, yeah. This guy's going to know all the right words to pray. Right? And, and, so he, and he does. And he goes up and he's like, basically to sum it up, oh, look how awesome I am, God. You should be proud to be my God. That's my translation. Don't look for that. But it's basically, thank you for making me awesome and not like that tax collector. Right? Jesus says, that guy is huh, self-righteous, but he doesn't leave at all righteous before God. But the tax collector, on the other hand, he, he um, as, as Jesus describes it this way, but the tax collector standing far off, right? So you see the, 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 the Pharisee here, Ooh, look at me, right? Tax collector's over here. Doesn't even, can't even approach, just, just can't, you feel the weight, the box of problems, right, on this guy's head because of his sin, right? He stands afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Woe is me, right? I have sinned. He can't even look up. This is his prayer, right? So the people listening to Jesus are like, well, man, that guy's kind of a loser, right? I mean, here's a Pharisee. You want to be like him. And Jesus actually says, no, this is who you want to be like. 
Because this guy, right, he doesn't leave self-righteous. He leaves righteous in the sight of God, receives God's mercy. And Jesus put it this way, verse 14. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility, when we humble ourselves before God because we've sinned, it hurts in the moment, but it's so healing in the long term. Otherwise, otherwise you're throwing the garbage over here. You're, you're hiding the box of problems behind your back. But when we're humble, like we've seen in this lament, God can really do something with our hearts. He, he finishes that humility this way. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. Here we are, God, in ruins. But our prayer is Remember us, and woe is us because of our sin. It's a good prayer. It's a, hum, it's a humble us, O oh Lord, kind of prayer. Is that your prayer? That's the question. Can I just, this is a little bit of a, just give me like a minute, maybe less, maybe more, we'll see, of a rabbit trail to just tell you what isn't humility. Pretending you're not really good at the things you're really good at? Do you know God has given each and every one of you and I abilities, gifts, skills, things you're great at, right? And being excellent is not a lack of humility. Who's the most excellent man ever? Jesus. Who's the, uh, the greatest example of humility ever? Jesus. You can have both. So God wants you to be excellent. If he's made you an, uh, a great uh, uh, athlete, be an excellent athlete. Great at math, be excellent at that. Good student, excellent. Musician, if you're a great singer, don't, someone says, man, you got a beautiful voice. Not me, I'm terrible. Oh, come on. You know it, right? It doesn't mean you brag. Look at me, I'm better than you. That's a bragger. No, but be excellent, right? God wants you to be excellent. The humility part is recognizing it's from him and it's for him right? It is for his kingdom and his, for his glory, not mine. And so if you're excellent at making, if you're really good at making money, go do it. But don't spend all that money on your own pleasures and comforts. It will never satisfy you. Spend it for his kingdom and for his glory and just see what happens. Whatever it is that you're great at, it can be leveraged. I was just listening to an interview of an NFL football player who won some award because, man, he, he's just leveraged. He's like, I'm a child of God first, a great football player. Second, I leverage that for his kingdom. So humility isn't, oh, I'm a loser. I can't do anything. That's insulting God. He didn't make you a loser, right? He made you excellent at things. Go do them for his glory, okay? Got that out of the way. All right. Now, humility is recognizing, okay, so you, you go be Daniel, you go be Joseph and be great, but then also like Daniel and Joseph, be humble, recognizing who we are without God. That's what sin is, right? Sin is when I say, all right, God, I know how you said to do that, but uh, I have a better way. I know we never say those words, but that's what it is, right? God, I don't really trust what you say about sexuality. I got my own plan. It's better. I don't really trust what you say about spending money. I got my own plan. It's better. That's what sin is. 
It's putting myself on the throne instead of God. Can I just say, I know we'll all agree on this one. Every single one of us makes a terrible, terrible God. Don't we? You're not over there still thinking, I think I could do it, Jamie. I could run the universe. You can't even, nah, never mind. I, just, I want you to leave insulted. I want you to leave encouraged, right? So, but, but we all know we can't be God, right? So sin is when we say, hold on, God, I agree with you there, but I'm, I'm over here, right? But humility is saying, I, I've sinned. Like, you, you know God, and I've, I've tried to be you, and that is terrible, and it's made a mess. And so it's so freeing to just say, man, take it. Woe is me. And like the, the, the tax collector, it's just, you then just say, hey, <laughs> hey, please, Lord, give me mercy. And he gives it to us. That's what's amazing about it. And so if you, and I, I know all of us have these things, if you have categories of your life that are in sin and you're just, I'm not so, talking about struggles that you're constantly confessing. I'm talking about something you're like, nah, nah, I need this. I want this. It's so freeing to let God have it. Just lay it at his feet. Just say, woe is me. Will you save? Have mercy, Lord. Humble me, Lord. And so now, as we look to finish this whole, not just this lament, but this whole book, you have, remember us, see us, look at us, God. And you have our posture. Humble us, O Lord. And now we're going to finish it with restore us. Restore us. And what that is. Verse 19 He turns, they turn as a collective group, and we're in ruins. This is what's happening to us. This is where we're at, right? But then they say this. Don't you love this? But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Right? He's making a, they're making a statement. Look, we're a mess. We're in ruins. Woe is us because of our sin. But you're on your throne. You are, you are eternal. All generations. This is the same prayer that's gone on forever, right? It is a prayer from the ancient days to the ancient of days. Right? This is where across the ruins, right, they stretch toward the eternal throne of God. And they recognize the power of God. Right? This is so important because there's two things. We sang a song today that really reflects that, right? That, that there's two things for you to be saved by God that, that, that need to be in place. One, he has to want to, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. But second, he has to be able to. Like, I might love you, but I can't save you. I don't have the power to do it. So it's important. If he's going to remember them, He's got to be the sovereign God. That even all this pain, all these ruins, they're under his eternal throne. You are sovereign, oh God. Right? So when we pray this, in a way what we're doing is, we're, is what they're doing is they're spitting in the face of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. They're like, look, Nebuchadnezzar, you might be on a throne, but you are not on the throne. And this is when, so, so like, when you give your life to Christ, Begin. Your life was an absolute mess, and the whole world lines up to tell you why you shouldn't be saved. It doesn't matter, because only God has the power to save you. And if he saves you, who cares what everyone else says, they're wrong. 
He's eternal. He's on his throne. And that's all that matters, even in our mess, even in our pain like they're in, right? They're spitting in the face of Nebuchadnezzar. They may not know that that's what they're doing. So when we do that, we might have more questions than answers. We often do. When the mess is so deep, we can't even see our way out of it. When the grief has just got a hold of our heart, when, when, when the confusion is just so, why is this happening? And it's just going on too long, right? It's just, I thought this would last a few days or years, and, and why is this? Like, when that is happening, we can still, in the middle of that, know God has not left his throne. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever disaster or mess or whatever's around the corner, please remember, God has not left his throne. He's sovereign over all of it. None of it took him by surprise. He's going to use it for your good if you will trust him, even in the lament of the ruins, that God is on his throne. All things are under him. Can you see their hand of faith stretching, stretching? That's what we can do. That's what we can do. Verse 20 says, why do you forget forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Don't you love the back and forth? That doesn't disqualify the previous verse. God's on his throne, but I don't know if he's going to help me. Right? Have you ever felt that way? Like, I believe God's God, but he's not helping me. That's how they feel. Right, so then they go from that to verse 21, right? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. It says it twice. Renew our days as of old. You see the progression? Look and see. Remember, meaning do something. And now it's please. Restore. You know what that is? Often we focus... When we, when, when we think about the cross, the resurrection, we think about Jesus saving us, we focus on the forgiveness. And remember the cup of wrath that, that I had and, and how God forgives us and we're no longer at en, uh, enmity with God and we're, we're no longer his enemy and we're forgiven. And, and all of that's true and, and beautiful. But the best part is after that. Don't forget the best part, and that is restoration with God. You know what that is? It's relationship with God. It means you walk in intimacy with him every day. Like imagine if uh, a married couple came to, to see me and, and they're in an absolute mess. They, they're screaming at each other all the time, threats of divorce. It's just broken in every way imaginable, right? And, and imagine if, if we get that couple to a point where they no longer hate each other, and they're not fighting anymore, and there's peace in the house. Like, that's really good, right? But don't you want to have them go beyond that? Don't they want to walk hand in hand in love? Don't they want to have intimacy, closeness, friendship? Don't they want to uh, make love again? Don't they want to have that relationship that a married couple should have? That's restoration. You see the difference? So don't just look at, at, at your salvation as, well, God doesn't hate me, right? God has forgiven me, but look at it as God restores me. And he wants me to talk with him and walk with him and, 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 and have a relationship with him and obey him, and, 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 and we should want that. That's what this last prayer is. Restore us. Don't just forgive us and ease our pain, 
but, but come and, and bring us to you, God. Bring us to you and restore us in relationship, right? And, and, and so is that our prayer? Restore us, God. And so wouldn't it be awesome if that's the way this ended? <laughs> but it isn't. There's one more. And it's the perfect way to end Lamentations, and you'll see why in a second. Because it's a complete mess. And it's how it ends. So bad that often Jewish manuscripts, they have 22, and then they repeat 21 after it. Because <laughs> you can't end this way. Look, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. <laughs> right? So what kind of a Bible book is this? But that's why I love it. It's why it's like my patron saint. I can relate to this, right? On one level, great is your faithfulness. You're so good. And next level, ah, it feels like you've just completely rejected me and I got nothing. That's because this isn't from the view of heaven. This is from the view from us, our view. This is how we do life. And it's a mess and it's raw and it doesn't always make sense. And this gives us a beautiful tool to deal with it. Right, the, Because even though they're trusting him for restoration right, and stretching in faith for God, they're still in the pain of the ruins. There's no magic formula. You're going to pray something and it's all going to wipe out. Sometimes that happens. right? Complete healing like that. God can do that. Sometimes he does. But most of the time, he leads us through that dark, painful time. I was reading on this passage and, and a commentator brought up something I just thought was really cool. He said it's like Saturday. I don't mean like this Saturday. We usually like Saturday. He's talking about the Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. He's like the apostles on Saturday sat in their own fear and residue of the pain from Friday. But, they, it, but there's this, as we look at it, there's this stretching in faith for Sunday. But you're not there yet. And so you're still dealing with Friday. And you're not really sure when it's going to end, but you're longing for Sunday. And a lot of us, that's how we feel when we lament. It's, it's restore us, oh God, but it still hurts. You're faithful, God, but I don't feel your presence, right? That is our reality. Deal with God with your pain and wait. Wait. It's when you give up that maybe it's right about then that God was about to have an incredible breakthrough. Don't turn back. Keep walking. Keep lamenting. Weep if you must. But don't give up because Sunday's coming. Restoration is coming. So that last part of our prayer, restore us, O Lord. We want, so when you pray, don't just pray for forgiveness. That's, that's, that, you need to do that, Yes. Then ask for his intimacy. Ask, talk to me, God. Show me. Open my eyes. Delight my soul. Like you, if you're a Christian, you can ask that. Give me the delights that are from you. He wants to do that. He doesn't want to give you the, the trinkets of this world that we find so delightful but are pathetic. He wants to give you the delights of heaven. I and mean, you can ask him for those. You could say, God, I want more of you. I want to know you more. I want to grow deeper in love with you. I want, to, I want to stop sinning. I want to obey you more. I want to walk with you. I want to influence people. I want to serve you. I want to worship you. 
That's prayers of restore. Restore me to you, God. Because the answer to the lament is God's beautiful restoration. The answer to every single lament we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. Restore us because of the cross, because of the resurrection. God will restore you. Isn't that so amazing? That God's answer to your lament was, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my own son. My son for you. How do you walk out of here tonight going, my life stinks? How do you do it? You can't. There's aspects of your life that probably does stink right now. All of us, there's aspects. You're going to have to walk out of here with a mask on. That stinks. Right? And there's elements of that. But then we think, God gave us his son. Not just so we have forgiveness and peace with him, but we can have intimacy forever with him. That is restoration. And that's what we want to pray for. So, as we close, let's have our time of lament together. Um, Most of you have been here and will recognize this. I'm going to invite our worship team up. And um, I'll step down here. This is where we have a few times where we can breathe, sit before God together. I'll pray a a prayer um, on our behalf, so corporately, but then give you space to lament whatever's on your heart, whatever you're going through. And it's not easy to do, but one of my prayer goals for this um, series was that you would learn in your private lives to sit before God. I don't have time for that. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you have time for it. It's priorities. Trust me, this will do way better for your soul. Sit and just say, all right, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. Pastor Jamie told me to sit before you, humble before you. Do your work. Speak to me. What do you have for me? You just wait to see what he has for you. If you have a lament, you have sadness, cry out to him. Cry out to him. So close your eyes, unless you're watching one of these kids and you, you're scared to do that. That's okay. That was my mom my whole childhood, so good revenge on me. We're going to follow these three things, and the first is remember us. We're going to ask the Lord to see our hardship. And when I'm done, I'll give you a minute or so to ask God to turn towards your pain, whatever that might be. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as your people. and We together ask you to remember us. To remember us in this pandemic. To look at us Lord, will you see our pain? Will you see our sickness? Will you remember us in our loneliness? Our grief? Our missing people? 
even of Dr. Chuck, who's with you now. He's so much better off. We miss him, Lord. Remember us in that loss. Remember his family in that loss. Father, people are at home sick. We miss them. People are at home who can't be with us. We miss them. Remember us. Give us comfort. See our pain, God. Pull us out of the muck. See us in the ruins, in the desert. See us, Father, in our despair, our worries, our fears for the future. Look, see, and remember. In Jesus' name. Take a minute to whatever loss or whatever you need God to turn towards just to give it to Him. humbled before you today. God, thank you. Thank you so much for the beautiful talents, abilities, and gifts you've given each person in this room, including our kids. They're here. You've made them special. So many things. Please let us be excellent for your glory. For your kingdom. Let us be excellent at what we do. Pastors, excellent teachers, excellent nurses, excellent business men and women, excellent mothers and fathers, excellent grandparents, excellent what we do for your kingdom and your glory. Father, we're humbled before you because we have sinned. As a people, we've sinned. As individuals, we've sinned. Woe is me. We ask for your mercy brought below before you because of our anger, our 
pride, our lust, our addictions, our selfishness, laziness, we've sinned. See us, Lord. Give us mercy, Lord. Remind us that Jesus is our greatest example of humility, going to the cross for our sin with joy. maybe places of pride or things you've been guarding from God holding back if you're not sure just ask him to evaluate your heart he'll show you thing, the best thing, spend time together asking God for restoration, restores. Lord, as we come before you to do that, I just want to thank you again for these last five weeks. I know the testimonies, you've broken down some barriers, you've saved, you've healed, you've shown people they can face their deepest pains with you. Lord, give us the discipline of sitting before you and confess and cry out to you that we wouldn't leave this behind with this sermon series, but that we would would be invited and disciplined to sit in silence before you, to confess our sin, to let you break down walls so that you might restore us to where we're meant to be. We come before you Lord, as your people, asking you to not just remember and turn towards us, but to restore us. We don't just want forgiveness, God. We want relationship with you, sovereign God of the universe, who is on his eternal throne. We call on you to restore us to you, gather us into you. Jesus, you died for us, and you rose in victory, and we can then now walk with you. Lord, for anyone who has not put their faith in you, Jesus, pray to call them to yourself to believe in your name, even tonight. And God, for those of us who are already Christians, we pray that whatever area we have grieved you, please restore us. That we feel tonight a fresh intimacy with you, intimacy with you, a closeness with you. In Jesus' name.
take these last couple of minutes and if you're not a Christian, it's a good time to just confess Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no other way of restoration than that. If you are, just ask God, whatever areas you're weary or afraid or upset, you know the drill. Just ask him to restore you. Ask him for more intimacy and closeness in some area of your life. Thank you for your restoration that only you can provide. Thank you for giving it to us. Walk closer with you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, we um, are going to sing together. First of all, um, awesome job for our kids in the room. We have some tonight. And uh, they don't always understand what's completely going on do something like this. But trust me, them seeing this as an example will do wonders in their life. It's good to hear their voices, and they don't quite know all of, you know, but someday it'll be here and here, and they'll remember all of you, even if they don't remember your names. So what we're going to do is we're going to close with this song called Arise, My Soul, Arise, and it's an upbeat song because we want to leave here encouraged and restored in the Lord. Amen? Let's stand and sing.